0: Kids youth scripture. Um keeps me very busy but I love it. Um, yeah and such a privilege to be able to talk to you tonight. Um, yeah we've had a really good term here at, at church and, and youth and kids. Um, we had a combined youth night which kind of felt like a, a cool thing to make our youth group feel official, like having people come and actually hang out with our youth and um, it was a really great night. We had we had two kids in our youth group give their lives to Jesus that night and you know, one of them rocked up to church uh, not really knowing anything about like as fresh as fresh could be, had no idea what you did at church, you never sung a song or, or didn't know what it was and yeah, it's been really cool to see how that like, kind God has worked in her life and yeah, it's really exciting and really exciting to see where that would go. Um, and it's, really, it's been really cool We've um, actually created a little kids' church band uh, That's sort of getting into worship once a month Out um, in the morning service and, and that's been really fun To see kids engaging in worship in that way um, So yeah, there's some really cool things And, and really started with the winter festival on Friday And, you know, if you ever have any um, interest in what we do Please come and chat But tonight, um, I want to start off I've always wanted to be a parent. I mean, I did work with kids, but that was kind of one of my dreams. And if you don't know, I uh, have an eight-month-old daughter, seat with my wife Beth. And you know, the nine months of being pregnant, um, you're dreaming about what we did not even know the, uh, the sex. So you're dreaming about what this girl or boy would look like, um, what they would, who they would be. Uh, would they have a family resemblance? Would they look? Would they look more like me, or would she look more like Beth, or would they? Look you know, like both of us. Um, in terms of her personality, like, would she like what we like and would she be interested in what we're interested in, or what would she be like? And it wasn't just those two things that we were thinking of as well, um, but it's what's to come. Um, you know, Elsie will be shaped by how we parent and how we raise her up. and and we really want to raise Elsie to be all that God made her to be. And we want her to resemble... Um, we're blessed, both Beth and I, come from Christian families. And we want that tradition to continue. However, her family life shapes up with, you know, husband or kids or whatever it ends up being for her, that she would then instill um, that family likeness into her kids. Um, and that there would be more families of God coming from us. Um, and we want her faith and her character... To resemble um, or even go beyond what Beth and I experience in our daily lives. So, the reason why I'm saying this is last week Tim spoke about how we've been adopted into a new family. Um, The Spirit assures us that we've been adopted into God's family. It's nothing that we did, um, but it's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. And the reason how we know we're adopted into God's family is that the Holy Spirit pours His unconditional love into our hearts. And so, We've been adopted into a new family, and we've been assured of who we are. That our identity and who we are is completely okay. We're unconditionally loved, no matter uh, what mistakes or slips up, slip ups we have along the way. But there's still another role for the Holy Spirit to play in our lives, and that is the Holy Spirit helps us to have a family resemblance um, as a church and as individuals. Helps us to become more like the family of God, look more like Jesus. Uh, it is the Holy Spirit that develops this likeness in us. But what does it look like um, to not just stay the way we are, but to actually grow and change um, and become more like Jesus? And what role does the Holy Spirit have in that? And as Tim has mentioned, we've been in this Holy Spirit series for a while now, and I don't know about you, but I've been loving it. It's felt... So great to hear all the people preaching the word, Um, I've loved how they've shared some of their personal experiences about um, hearing from the Holy Spirit, and I want to share a bit about that in my life tonight, and I've also loved the times of extended worship, to not just hear about the Holy Spirit, but to actually experience and encounter the Holy Spirit. Uh, in my life right now, rather than um, just walk out of the room and sort of move about with my week. So there's also going to be an opportunity for that tonight, so I encourage you not to miss out on that. So, let's get into the word, um, if you've got a Bible or a phone or whatever you have, let's open up to Galatians 5, 16 to 25. So that's Galatians 5, 16 to 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's a good passage. And I want to quickly ground us where we're at instead of just jumping this passage out of context. We're in the book of Galatians, the letter written not just to one church, but a whole bunch of churches um, in the region of Galatia, and it was, many scholars believe it was a letter to be passed along. One church would read it, and then it would pass it along to the next church to have a read as well. And the story of the churches in Galatia at that time is that there was this conflict going on between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And I'm not going to go deep into the history there, but Gentile Christians of course had never been included in God's family until the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and because of what Jesus did on the cross. And there was this new way which we're going to talk about, the life of the Spirit, but the Jewish Christians were so caught up in the law and physical circumcision that they were inflicting these things onto the Gentile Christians they were saying the spirit wasn't enough you need to have the law, you need to have physical circumcision and it made Paul very very upset he um, should read the book of Galatians he has a few zingers in there about the Jewish Christians for perverting what is this really great gospel that is coming out um, he's adequately clear that because of everything Jesus did, his resurrection the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost that there is a completely new way of living that do, does away with those things it's for the Jewish Jewish Christian, the Gentile Christian, and all of us today, all that have lived and all that will continue to live. It's the message of walking in the Spirit. And we're going to look at those first couple of verses, 16 to 18, to start. It says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so they you're not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So, there's two ways of living with you. There's the life of the Spirit, and there's the life of the flesh. And what does that mean, exactly? Well, the flesh, simply put, it's our sinful nature. It's our brokenness. It's the thing that is weak, that's lured by the world, it's, it succumbs to the temptations of the enemy. Tim actually spoke about it in a sermon last week. In Romans 7 verse 19, Paul actually puts it pretty pretty clearly. He says, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do I keep on doing. And I feel like that sums up what the flesh is pretty well. We actually know and desire what is good, most of us in our life. Um, But somehow, no matter how strong we are or what we do in our own life, we seem incapable of actually executing that to perfection in our own life. We'll make mistakes or slip up or um, whatever it is, we need help. Like we need the help of the spirit here. And the good news is that Paul does tell us of the life of the Spirit. The reality that one of the members of the Trinity, the Triune God, will come and live inside your heart, which is one of the most amazing, it's the most amazing thing in the world. Where the Spirit will provide a new way of life, where you don't have to have a rule book, you don't have to think about all those laws, but instead by walking in spirit with him. Um, you will fulfill the law. It says that in verse eighteen that if we walk in the Spirit, we fulfill the law. Um, you don't have to walk around checking your book. You don't have to, um, you know, physical circumcision. All that stuff is out the window. It's just the life of the Spirit. So I want to actually mention now um, my journey of my life and my journey with the Holy Spirit. So. I grew up in a a fantastic church, I was, again I mentioned earlier, I was privileged to grow up in a Christian household and have really great Christian parents and I feel like I was raised really well had a great group of friends and established my life of faith and that I'm always, always thankful for, but in this church the life of the spirit was rarely mentioned um, if only to just make sure we were theologically correct. But until really I was in high school and started going to a different church, I hadn't heard of the gifts of the Spirit, I hadn't really been introduced to how the Holy Spirit can produce supernatural miracles, or even how the Holy Spirit really produces um, good fruit in our life. All of these different roles that I really had no idea about um, were becoming fresh to me. And really, up until then, especially in my teenage years, I was kind of living a spiritual double life. I was trying to have the life of God and also have the life of the flesh in some areas. It kind of was a disaster, really, but it was something that I kept hidden from everyone. On the outside, I was achieving in my sports life, in my academic life, in leadership at school and in church, but really, on the inside, I was struggling with sins and lies that I believed about myself that held me back from experiencing life in the Spirit. Particularly, this was an ongoing sin of lust, And it was a diagnosis in my early teenage years of mild Asperger's syndrome where I actually believed lies about my ability, Uh, about um, the ability to have friends, or feel belonging, or be liked, or what I even felt I could or couldn't do in my future career calling. So I was at this new church where I met a bunch of friends who were going to Bible college, and I went along, and this is where I discovered the Holy Spirit's role in changing my life. Um, I was in a safe and nurturing place where I was able to confess some of their sins and find incredible freedom and forgiveness um, as I began the journey of growth. The Holy Spirit was able to heal those places where I believed those lies about myself, um, revealing His truth to me, um, and actually giving me this calling into ministry. I was on a different career path at that point. but um, I really didn't think that I could work with people. Those were some of the, the lies that I believed uh, and I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit's role in that. And look, it involved a lot of tough stuff. It's not easy to do, to be vulnerable or to confess to sin or to repent uh, and do it all again when you make another mistake or stuff up. And I have all kinds of seasons and setbacks where I'm doing well or I'm not doing well, as we probably all do. But I'm writing this sermon has reminded me how much I need the Holy Spirit in my life to keep the transforming walk, the transforming work going because too often I rely on myself um, and really have this frustration and despair when I could be walking in the Spirit instead. And that's the instruction of the passage, walk in the Spirit. And we're going to talk about what that actually looks like practically a little bit later, but I want to illustrate that point from my story, is that you can't do both. You can't walk in the spirit and also in another area of your life indulge in the flesh. As much as you think you can, or think I thought I could, um, it just Paul says they're contrary to each other. It's actually impossible to walk in the spirit and gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, And I remind you again that if we're in the spirit, we don't um, need a rule book. We need fulfill the law. So, where does Paul go next in this passage? Well, I think he's led by the Spirit to give some specific examples. Because um, if I asked you right now publicly to say, uh, "Have you ever sinned in your life?" or "Are you sinning?" you might be a hand up. But actually, if I asked you to get specific and name some areas where you might be struggling, I know for me, if I was sitting in the audience, it'd be pretty tough to do. Um, it's confronting to kind of look at some of that ugly stuff in our life um, because there can often be some guilt and some shame around that, and. The good news is, is that uh, Paul is talking about the life of the Spirit and counteracting that. And these, there's like 19 terrible words that Paul describes here. I'm going to read them to you again sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That and the like bit means like I could keep on going, but that was probably enough. Uh, and it says, "I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God." It's a pretty hard-hitting list, um, and Paul knows that we know that we're going through this stuff. Like he knows that it's obvious. And he knows that labouring the point or having someone be at the front tell you that you're going through all of this is pretty pointless because we all know that we're going through it, and we're aware enough. But he gets specific to force us to confront this stuff. And go to the Spirit to, to deal with it. So, I wanna, I'm not going to mention all of them because we, we know that. Uh, um, and there are four types of categories of sins mentioned here there's sins, sexual sins, religious sins, relationship sins, and sins of excess. So and it's probably in your own personal study where you might want to reflect a bit on that list. Um, And see where God may be calling you to a new way. But I actually do want to mention a couple that I think is relevant to me and to our church and to the Northern Beaches and the Western church in general. The first one um, is sexual immorality and purity. We live in a sex-saturated world. Like There's a website you can just freely log on to and organise to have an affair, which I think is crazy. It's it's never been easier to get sexual material in your hands and in your eyeballs than any other time in the world. Um, The world has perverted God's good gift of sex and when we live in the flesh we actually pervert it too. Holy Spirit has never let anyone cheat on their husband or wife to watch pornography or be sexually impure in our mind or actions. Idolatry. On the northern beaches and in the western world we struggle with idolatry. Um, it's very easy to live for our money, to live for our careers, to live for our lifestyle, our property portfolio, investments, our children, our car, our houses, other people. It could even be the things that we live that the hobbies, the things we enjoy doing that may take that spot in our life. The enemy wants to take God from the rightful places all of our life and install something on it that could never ever be God. Um, God never fails. God always keeps his promises and he'll always be there. And as good as all of, some of those things are, um, they will let, let, let us down one day. The money will run out, the property market will crash, um, that person will walk out the door, whatever it is. Um, God is calling us, the Spirit is calling us to security in our life by having God be back on the throne. What about factions? So I think that's a church specific one. But I think we've got to be on guard against it. Are we people who form factions or cliques or inside groups? Um, do we divide people with our words or opinions? Do we leave people out or start inward focus focused in our friendship groups that no one can really break in? Um, or do we sort of rank our friendship groups or our relationships with others against each other? Um, we may not even do it out loud, but we may do it in our minds. We risk um, becoming a pretty petty landscape of war factions rather than the United Church. Now I'm not saying that's what we are right now, but if that comes into our church, um, it can pretty quickly become like that. And there's nothing wrong with having a group of friends, and you're not going to hang out with everyone the same as everyone else, and that's normal. Um, but we've got to remember Jesus. He welcomed and ate with the sinners, the people that no one wanted to be with, while the religious leaders themselves at him. That's the example. That we want to follow. So, maybe you're all good with these three. Maybe you're fine with those. Um, I'm sure there's some things the Holy Spirit is calling out in your life. But the good news is that Paul wants to focus on the fruit of living in the Spirit. And I think you all know what they are. They're in verse 22 and 23. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And against such things, there is no law. Were these sitting here today, a Christian, not a Christian, on the fence? I think everybody wants these things in their life. I don't think anybody would be upset, uh, if these got offered to you. They're all really good, and they all revolve, um, around this one characteristic that's central to the whole Bible, which is love. Um, some translations list love and then all of the other things underneath as expressions of love, um, that the fruit, which is the fruit of the Spirit. So, notice another thing. That it's not the fruit of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's actually a singular word. What that means is, it's not like we just go up to the tree and pick and choose our favorite things for the Spirit to work on. We can't just say, I love the love and joy, but I'm just an impatient person, that's never going to change. Or, I'm just not self-controlled, and that's never going to change. It's both an encouragement and a challenge. Because if you really struggle in that area, you want the Holy Spirit to work in it, He will. It's like you get the whole fruit bowl. You get everything. That's good, but also it's another challenge if we're feeling rebellious in that area, it might be an encouragement to let the Holy Spirit in. So, in those previous examples, the Holy Spirit produces godly love and self-control so that we express godly sexuality and resist temptation. When the Holy Spirit produces love in us, we love God and we love others and we have faithfulness so that we aren't tempted to put other things above God in our life. And the Holy Spirit also produces kindness, patience, love, and goodness in us to help us not to form divisive factions or cliques, but instead show God's love to everyone. So, when we follow the Spirit, God promises that this fruit will start to grow in your life. So, it's all well good to know this, but walking out the door, how do you actually do this? How do you reject the life of the flesh? And embrace the life of the Spirit? Well, I think Paul gives the answer in verse 24 and 25. Those who belong in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Just be live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What does it mean to crucify the flesh? I think Paul used that word to remind us that it's not anything we've done, but it's all because of what Jesus did on the cross, his death and resurrection, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that all, any of this thing can be dealt with. Um, otherwise we're stuck with it. So the actual place our sin belongs is on the cross of Jesus Christ. And so that sounds very airy-fairy, but practically every morning you can get up and pray, and speak to myself here, So I don't do this every morning, and say, all of this stuff I'm struggling with, I'm going to put it on the cross and say, Jesus, you've dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And when I get tempted, instead of choosing to indulge, you can just pray and put it back. And what happens is, is that the Holy Spirit starts to produce your strength, in resisting temptation and build a known muscle when we actually don't indulge the flesh. I want, sh- I want to basically put it out there that there's sort of two levels. There's the strength of the life of the spirit, your relationship with the spirit, and there's also how you feed the flesh in your life. This is why it can be so hard to resist temptation. Because if we're not spending time with the spirit or growing in the spirit, our relationship can be way down here. But if we, all the things we listen to, do, watch, people we hang out with, all that stuff is feeding the life of the flesh, that could be sitting right up here. So when temptation comes our way, what is going to win? It's going to be the life of the flesh. So the encouragement is, what does it look like to reduce those things and then to increase our time, spending time with the Spirit, getting to know His voice and growing and walking with Him. I want to put it out there in Philippians 4 8. It says... Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I can't tell you what shows to watch or music to listen to because it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. It's your journey with the Spirit, and that we're all going to be different. But you have to listen to the Spirit. I think there's a. I think you do know when you're kind of crossing the line from what's going to be okay for your life and your walk and what's not going to be. And that's something you grow in as you move along in your relationship. And remember, when Paul says, those who do these things um, don't inherit the kingdom of God, that sounds brutal, because we're like, oh, I do all of this stuff. But it's not, he's not talking about sin of weakness. Um, he's talking about like habitual, rebellious sin in our life. When we know that's not what we're doing, and we just continue to choose to walk in that way. So if that's you, then hope is not lost. Please go see a trusted friend or counselor or mentor, have a chat to a pastor, get prayer and ministry, because God wants a better, better life than that. He wants to produce this fruit of the Spirit in your life. So, what is your daily practice? Um, life in the Spirit. Is it reading your Bible? Is a prayer? Is worship? and spending time in your life group? Um, it's going to be different for everyone, but I encourage you to think about that. Then, the next thing we do is keep in step with the Spirit. When well, I go on a walk with um, my, family, my wife and my in laws we all have to sort of match each other's pace. So if someone's walking the dog, someone's got the baby in the carrier on the praying, we all have to match our steps. Otherwise, um, you know, if everybody wants to walk, they want to walk, we just will have a pretty terrible time. And you do this all the time and you probably never ever think about it. But it's the same thing with the Spirit. If we want to go off and walk into our own thing, we're not going to be in alignment um, with what the Spirit wants. And so imagine if we became so good at this, we just never thought about um, actually aligning the life of the Spirit, just something we did. It would be pretty cool. And if you're in doubt, or you're not sure what the Spirit might be leading you to, we can remember these things. Everything the Spirit says to us is in line with the Bible. Um, the Spirit will never, ever lead anyone to those works of the flesh. So, if it's biblical, um, you kind of get a green light to go ahead with that and journey along with that in the Spirit. Next thing you can do is get your mind off yourself. So, when I'm feeling selfish, I know that I'm really struggling with some works of the flesh. Like, it kind of follows that way. But if we start serving and loving others, ultimately the Spirit wants us to live this love, life of love, and love is not a characteristic you can show yourself really. It's sort of expressed in relationships with people. So make someone a meet or catch up with someone you know is struggling, welcome a new person, call someone with encouragement, write a thank you note, volunteer at church or helps help someone else. Um, love is the fulfillment of all things. You may not feel like it, but it is the best way to kind of get our mind of ourselves and start living an others focused life that the Spirit will lead us into. And the good news is, just like the example at the beginning, um, when, Beth, when Elsie starts to walk, Beth and I will not be upset at her if she falls and stumbles, because we know that she's heading in the right direction. We know that in five years' time, she's probably going to be a gunner running around and walking, because every day her legs will strengthen. Them. And it's like that, with our walk with the Spirit. Um, this is not a space of comparison. You don't need to look at another person's relationship and compare whether they're ahead or behind. It's about your journey. And so if you're walking with the Spirit and you've made a up, remember that like God is like a perfect father. So like he's not even mildly annoyed or upset or disappointed. Like he's always for you, and always loving you. He's always ready for you to pick back up and keep going. And so, you know, in five, ten years time, like you'll be able to hear the Holy Spirit's voice better and you'll be able to know his will better in your life. Um, and that's something I want and it's a challenge for me. So, we will grow fruit if we do that. And the good news is, there's no waiting to be done. Um, we're not waiting for anything else, it's all happened. So, tonight's the night, could be the night for you. Don't get stuck trying to keep all the rules by yourself. You'll only end up in frustrated despair like I do when I live in that way. Also, this isn't a license to go and do whatever we want. Um, because that's also slavery to sin in a completely different way. Um, it's, it's disrespecting the cross of Jesus Christ when we do that. So tonight, you have opportunity to nail some of those habitual sins or things that you might be struggling to the cross and say, I want to kind of claim what Jesus did on the cross by dying for that. And I want to take a step in my walk with the Spirit. It might be just the tiniest baby step. It might even not be a step. It might just be like rolling over or something. Um, but... The invitation is that Jesus ways to receive you with open arms. We can confess and repent and experience the joy and filling of the Holy Spirit as He forgives us and cleanses us and begins to produce His Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is when we will start as individuals and as a church to begin to resemble uh, the family of God. Um, it's when people will come in here and go, "Something's different," and or "Something's different about you or you guys." Like, "I oh, want." some of that it's what the world needs um, and we're blessed we're blessed we're blessed to have the gift of the spirit in our lives so choose life of the spirit man and life so we're going to go into a time of ministry um, we're going to have some worship we're going to have some opportunity for prayer but before we do that